This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. Today we have on two representatives from Migrant Justice. They are um, advocates for the mostly Latinx migrant dairy workers in Vermont. Yeah, they're a significant community that basically makes the state run. Um, but they are basically oppressed by the existing laws and law enforcement. So let's see what the Migrant Justice is doing about it. Okay, so today we have um, another beneficiary of our t-shirt campaign, uh, Migrant Justice. Um, They are based in Vermont. You guys are in Burlington, is that right? That's where the um, office is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm gonna, uh, and we have Will Lembeck and and Thelma. What's, what's your last name, Thelma? Thelma, sorry. Okay, Gomez. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. Um, what I wanted to do is just start talking about a little bit about what it is, you know, your organization, the history of your organization, and what are your what is your mission, um, and then what you're facing what's the biggest challenges you're facing right now in given the covid crisis um so have at it okay pues primero que nada muchas gracias por por el interés de saber un poco más de qué estamos haciendo como como comunidad migrante y como organización verdad so first of all thanks very much for your interest in learning about our organization and our community uh, mi nombre es Thelma, como ya dijiste, soy um, organizadora con justicia migrante y también este, parte de, de la comunidad migrante aquí en Vermont. So, as you said, my name is Thelma, uh, and I'm an organizer with Migrant Justice, and I'm also part of the immigrant community here in Vermont. Y bueno, un poco de, de la historia de, de justicia migrante, pues justicia migrante se fundó hace alrededor de 10 años. So, a little bit about the history of Migrant Justice. We formed 10 years ago. And so a decade ago when we started, uh, things were really different. Uh, Workers were really isolated and, and almost nobody knew that we were uh, on farms throughout the state milking cows. Um, y todo comienza cuando un compa de, de Chiapas, México, estaba trabajando en un rancho, sufre un accidente y lamentablemente muere, muere, eh, y, y todo comienza ahí cuando pudo haber quizás sido eh, prevenido, una muerte que pudo haber sido prevenida, decimos nosotros, Como desde ahí nace esa, eso de, de querer organizarnos, de que la gente supiera que estábamos aquí y que realmente estaba pasando en los ranchos. Uh, and things really started um, when uh, a young worker uh, from Chiapas, Mexico, um, suffered a, an accident uh, on the farm and, and he died. Uh, he, he died uh, from what, what we call a, a preventable accident, that, that this was a preventable death. Uh, but his death was a spark that caused people um, to want to start to come together and organize and uh, and and have our our work and our lives be known uh, that that people uh, could understand uh, what was happening on farms around the state. Y desde ese momento fue cuando nosotros como comunidad empezamos a reunirnos, empezamos a querer a, a bueno una reunirnos para saber realmente 
eh, que estábamos aquí, vernos unos a otros, conocernos, pero también para, para ver todo lo que estaba pasando realmente, porque eh, era preocupante ver todo lo que pasaba en los ranchos. La mayoría de trabajadores de la comunidad migrante trabajamos en los ranchos lecheros aquí en Vermont. Uh, and so that's when we started to to come together, and and it started by really you know physically coming together, uh, meeting to uh, get to know one one another, break down those um, those walls of isolation that that kept us apart, uh, and and begin to talk about the conditions that we were experiencing uh, um, as a community uh, on on farms, uh, and and really talk about those those very difficult and, and troublesome conditions uh, that were happening all across the industry. Uh, y así, así empezamos con asambleas, eh, empezamos con una, ahora regionalmente tenemos una en el área de Addison, en el área del norte y en el área del noreste. Y desde entonces, desde hace 10 años, como hemos venido organizándonos como comunidad, ¿no? Unas cosas como las licencias de conducir, que, han, que, que fue un paso muy importante para la comunidad migrante, y así varias cosas que han, que han ido pasando gracias a que nosotros como comunidad nos estamos organizando. Uh, and so, from there on out, we've been organizing um, through community assemblies. Um, we rotate them around the state and uh, different dairy regions, and the Northwest, the Northeast, and Addison County. Um, and from those community assemblies, we've decided on and carried out different organizing campaigns, whether it's winning access to driver's licenses or changing conditions in the dairy industry. Uh, pero sí, como han sido pasos muy importantes que han cambiado la vida de nosotros como migrantes en el estado de Vermont, y aunque realmente como estamos haciendo mucho, como si, como que nunca fuera suficiente, como los desafíos que tenemos los migrantes aquí en el estado son grandes y, y a pesar de los pasos que damos como aún quedan muchas cosas que estamos haciendo. So there have been a lot of changes since we started organizing. Uh, we've really changed so many things, uh, but the problems that we're up against are really large. And so uh, there's so much left to do um, and, and so many more changes to make uh, because we, we, have, we continue to have a lot of challenges as a community. Especialmente con todo lo del COVID, ¿no? Como nos damos cuenta que tenemos muchos problemas realmente pasando en la industria lechera, como los trabajos realmente, como trabajadores necesitamos cambiar mucho de lo que está pasando ahí y tenemos campañas que estamos, ¿verdad? Como desde el, desde el momento uno que, que, que iniciamos con Justicia Migrante, sabemos la necesidad eh, que hay en, 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 en las condiciones de trabajo, ¿verdad? Para la comunidad y hemos estado con eso, pero ahora que vemos, por ejemplo, todo lo que pasa con lo del COVID, es como que está siendo todavía más fuerte todo lo que está pasando con lo que ya veníamos arrastrando por décadas. Uh, and so now uh, the, those problems continue to, to this day with, with uh, now what's happening with COVID, um, because since the outset of migrant justice, we've always called out the injustices and the poor conditions that we've seen uh, for farm workers and, and the dairy industry. Uh, and that's been really consistent. Uh, but now you add on top of that what's happening with COVID and it really highlights the changes that need to be made and the work that needs to be done um, so that we can be treated fairly. Y seguimos porque con todo esto como es bien importante el trabajo que los migrantes estamos haciendo en el estado de Vermont. Como es súper importante como se está sosteniendo la economía de este estado y ayuda a la del país con el trabajo de los migrantes. Entonces, es bien importante que, que ahora que somos reconocidos como trabajadores esenciales, 
como no puedes llamarnos esenciales y a la hora de la hora dejarnos fuera de cualquier alivio económico o cualquier ayuda que se le está dando a, otro, a otras personas y dejando fuera como si no fuéramos seres humanos también. Um, and, you know, we understand that the work that immigrants are doing, not only uh, in our state, but all around the country, uh, is uh, important to, to the economy of the, the country and, and that uh, this country's economy wouldn't move without us. Uh, and so now that's being recognized when we're called essential workers during this pandemic and, and given that classification. Uh, but when the rubber hits the road, it doesn't mean anything to call us essential if uh, you're going to be excluding us from any sort of government support or aid or stimulus, um, uh, while at the same time uh, under, you know, referring to us and understanding that, that we are essential. Uh, and that's why we're, uh, uh, we're, we're demanding in this moment to, to be included and, and to be treated uh, the way that, that we need to be treated. Okay. Great. Um, uh, so one follow-up that I have is that, so I know just because um, I live in Vermont as well, um, that, and, and, and this is the question that I have, is that, is it because of pressure from your institution um, as well as um, like-minded community members that there has been some distribution of, or allocation at least of some funds from uh, the governor um, to distribute to migrant workers? Um, and is it sufficient? Pues que nos, que, que nos hayan dado hasta ahora todavía no. Y esa ha sido la campaña que tenemos ahora que queremos que realmente estén como dando fondos para la, la comunidad. Nosotros hicimos algo como con donaciones que estaban llegando. Eh, creamos nuestro propio fondo de, que se llamaba Fondo Solidaridad de Justicia Migrante y fueron donaciones, pero realmente eran fondos limitados y solo cubría una parte de la comunidad. Y, y, y como sabemos que ese no es el camino que queremos seguir, ¿verdad? Sabemos que esa no es la posición que tenemos que tomar porque sabemos que el gobierno tiene fondos para darle a la comunidad y es como una cachetada decir como ustedes van a hacer el trabajo que a ellos les corresponde hacer, entonces eso es lo que estamos, es, esa es la demanda que tenemos, ¿verdad? Como llamando al Estado a que, a que tiene que tomar pasos en esto. So, uh, so far the community hasn't received uh, anything yet. We haven't gotten a penny from the government, uh, even though that's been our campaign since the beginning of the pandemic, saying that uh, the government needs to create a fund for workers uh, who have been excluded. Um, but seeing the lack of action on the part of the state, Migrant Justice, actually, we had to go ahead and create our own fund that we called the, the Migrant Justice COVID Solidarity Fund. And so we raised a couple hundred thousand dollars and have distributed that among the community. Um, but that's not the position that we want to be in. And that's not the role that we should play because uh, equitable aid in a time of crisis is the responsibility of the government. That's a public responsibility. And so it can't fall on the shoulders of groups like Migrant Justice to, to raise money and, and distribute it to those in need. Um, and so uh, while we've taken that action ourselves, we've never stopped calling on the, the governor and the state of Vermont uh, to create this fund. Uh, and now, uh, finally, that's gaining traction. Great. Tony, you want to jump in? Is your, is your outreach predominantly in Vermont or is this a larger um, outreach we're doing? And, and, and if not, if it's not just in Vermont, how do we get the message out? Bueno, nosotros somos una organización de base aquí en Vermont, 
y sí tenemos comunicación con, con otras organizaciones de otros estados, pero como, como alianzas y, y, y como con todas las campañas que tenemos, estamos en solidaridad con muchos grupos, pero no estamos como liderando fuera de, de, del estado. Well, we are a grassroots organization based in Vermont, uh, and that's uh, the, where we focus our efforts. Through different national networks and alliances that we participate in, we work with other grassroots organizations in different areas uh, and are able to uh, support one another that way. Um, but we aren't focused um, uh, uh, nationally. Our, our work is, is primarily local. Um And another question, we, we ask this a lot. We, we try not to, you know, a certain guest get too political, but we are a political podcast. Um, how does the, the thought that we have two candidates running for president right now, and one of them who I'm assuming we really don't like, um, what, what is the consequence of him potentially winning again and that administration? How, how are we preparing one emotionally, but also, um, what is our feeling about potentially another four years of what we've been through and, and the consequences of that for the organization and for migrant workers? Realmente como, como siempre, de, bueno, desde que, desde que se, se eligió como presidente, fue un golpe muy fuerte para la comunidad. El hecho de que alguien como él esté como siendo presidente, pero realmente es que cambios, cambios grandes como no sé, quiero decir que, que siempre ha habido esto para nosotros hacia los migrantes, como desde que estuvo Obama estuvo deportando muchísimas familias y separando muchísimas familias y ahora que entró él como realmente y si regresara otra vez de nuevo como presidente me preocupa, pero creo que también como um, sentimentalmente no sé cómo decirlo, como nos estamos preparando también porque siento que sea el presidente que sea, si no está haciendo política, si no está haciendo justo en las cosas que está haciendo, así no sea Donald Trump, así sea otro presidente, como si no nos preparamos, como nos van a seguir jodiendo. So, uh, yeah, honestly, thinking back to 2016 and uh, the, the election of Trump, um, it, was a, it was a big hit to our community. Um, uh, understanding and, and assimilating that uh, a man like him could be elected president of this country. It was a hard hit, but at the same time, uh, being sincere, being honest, um, there's been more similarities for our community than there have been differences because the reality is that before Trump, uh, and under Obama, uh, so many families were being deported. So many families were being separated. Uh, th this was the the reality of, of our lives, um, and and that's continued under Trump. And so, looking forward, um, yes, we have to prepare ourselves uh, emotionally, but we have to be prepared regardless of who wins. Because if we aren't prepared as a community to defend ourselves, uh, whoever's president is going to keep screwing us over. Yeah, well, I would just say um, it's really interesting. We have a lot of people on our podcast. We do at least one a week. And just before this, we did another podcast with these women who were incarcerated their whole lives, which started a, um, a, a, an organization to help incarcerated women get back on their feet, um, predominantly African-American in Louisiana. And I asked them the exact same question, and they said 
virtually the exact same thing. So it's just an interesting thing. And it's, re- it's not really a question. It's more of an observation. I hope our, our audience realizes that, you know, for people out there who really have it tough, it's not ever been easy for them. So pre-Trump, it's always been terrible. And I, I hope we can get through this Trump thing, but I feel I, I feel slightly embarrassed that we can't all be really excited for a candidate that really we all can get behind and feel protected by. I mean, I think anyone's better than Trump, but at the same time, um, it's and it's really embarrassing that we still feel this in- insecurity um, before and honestly looking forward to the future. We still somehow feel um, insecure about it, and I, I feel bad. I feel bad for you guys, your organization, and. It's just a statement that I'm just embarrassed. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'll just, again, another observation or, or fact really that that dawned on me um, when I read back about the Obama administration, and we should, we should call it by its full name, which is the Obama-Biden administration. Um, and so there's been a lot of talk, of course, of the, 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 complete immoral cruelty of the Trump administration's use of ICE, Border Patrol, children's in cages, and so on. But what has been little remarked is that those very cages were built by the Obama administration over six years. And rather than separating the kids, they kept the kids with the families, but they were all families in cages. So, you know, yes, um, Trump is worse, but once again, we see, you know, this this sort of catastrophe that is the immigration policy, and it's fundamentally just cruel. It's actually really just cruel. So I'm wondering, in terms of migrant justice, given that there might not be a radical change, let's say, or certainly not a, a fast radical change in terms of immigration policy enforcement, what um, programs and um, Maybe political pressure that one could maybe bring to bear on local leaders for greater protection of the migrant working community in Vermont. Pues creo que algo que nosotros hemos venido como bueno hemos ganado una política de no más polimigra aquí en el estado de Vermont, pero con los cambios que ha habido con Trump como han ido cambiando muchas cosas y estamos tratando de reforzar para la que para que la comunidad esté eh, pues más segura en las calles como so um, one thing that we fought for as an organization uh, is creating a policy in this state that we call the no polimigra policy, which means separating police from federal immigration agents. Um, and that's something that we fought for uh, and put in place before Trump came into office. Mm-hmm. And since he's been in, um, there have been some changes to it, and, and we have to keep fighting to reinforce it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult because there seems to be a lot of um, synthesis between the policing, um, the traditional policing and then uh, immigration enforcement. Um, and ICE seems to be getting deputized to do increasing policing work around the country. Um, and of course, they've got this hundred mile border um, that they can police, right? So I I wonder, this is one of the things that I don't know if all Americans even know about this, is that the the Border Patrol has a hundred mile jurisdiction 
around the country. And, you know, something like, you know, 65% of the American population with, lives within those coastal regions or border regions. Um, has there been, has, has your organization ever talked about that as, as, as maybe um, uh, a point of attack uh, and critique of whether that jurisdiction should be there where, where they can, you know, from the border from Canada, the, the, we're talking about going all the way down well south of Burlington. Um, to and that ice has enforcement capabilities there has has that been discussed in your organization that that may be something that i don't know lawyers or or or, or local legislators could push back on in any ways bueno primero que nada queremos corregir el punto de que el border patrol es el que está solo a 100 millas en el alrededor de la frontera pero ice está en todo el estado como ice está haciendo so first, just to clarify and correct a point, is, is that uh, you're right, Border Patrol has that 100-mile radius uh, from the border, but ICE, as an agency, they operate uh, throughout the entire state and country. Y, y sí, como, como organización, y re, realmente nosotros hemos recibido muchos ataques de ICE um, por todo lo que estamos haciendo, obviamente, como hemos sido puntos claves para ellos para para atacar como hemos tenido compañeros que han estado que están en la lucha y que han sido detenidos encarcelados y privados de su libertad solo por estar organizando como hemos tenido ese ataque de ICE pero también nosotros eh, no nos hemos quedado callados no hemos permitido que que esto como quede así nomás como si no pasara nada como como nosotros como comunidad y con las personas que han sido afectadas y como organización Hemos entablado una demanda legal contra ICE y todo el, todas esas atrocidades que ha venido haciendo. Um, and so, uh, when we look at the the role of ICE, um, they've really uh, gone after our organization hard. Um, they they've uh, uh, targeted uh, Migrant Justice and its leaders for retaliation uh, because of the way that we speak out for our rights. And um, over the years, they've arrested a lot of community leaders who have been at the forefront of the struggle uh, for human rights and who have been speaking out uh, and have been uh, detained and, and uh, 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 denied their, their, their liberty because of, uh, because of, of their, their speech. And so uh, we took the step of, of filing a lawsuit uh, against ICE uh, to stop them from targeting people who, uh, just because they're uh, speaking out and organizing. Y sabemos que eso no es como que va a cambiar todo porque el sistema está jodido no solo en Vermont, ¿verdad? Es en todo el país que que están chingándonos a, a toda la comunidad migrante. Hablemos o no hablemos, pero la realidad es que esto hace un, un como un punto bien grande en que se den cuenta como que la comunidad estamos organizadas y no vamos a permitir que ellos vengan y hagan su brutalidad todo el tiempo ni que estén atacando como si realmente no valiéramos nada. Um, and we know that, you know, just this lawsuit isn't going to solve the whole problem because uh, not just here in Vermont, but throughout the country, I, ICE is attacking our, our communities and, and arresting people, uh, whether or not they're speaking out for their rights. Um, but this is, has been a way for us to draw a line and say, uh, we aren't going to let the, these atrocities happen uh, we aren't going to let you come after people because they're speaking out, and it's a way to to push back and say to them enough. Great. 
Um, well, I also just want to compliment you. You have a very nice website. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was logging on actually right before we started talking. It's up here right now. And, you know, to our listeners out there, um, go on, I mean, one, buy a T-shirt because it helps two really amazing organizations. But you should go on these these organizations' websites. I mean, they put a lot of effort into them. And there's tons of information, ways you can help, ways you could donate. Um, and your website's very impressive. And I hope we can push it out there a little bit. But it's um, super informative. All right. Well, I think that's our time. Um, I want to thank you both so much for coming on and for the work that you're doing. Um, we fully, fully support it. And uh, we're going to try to get you as many donations as possible so you can keep doing this great Indeed. work. Um, yeah. And um, thank, you. thank you. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much. So that is a second time. You know, we have a lot of people on that really study politics. We have people that are, you know, writing books that are cha helping change policy. Um, lately, we've been getting on people that are actually just helping people. They're not, you know, they're not really paying attention to the election, let's call it. And they're not right. doing what we're doing. That's right not the now. number one thing that no, they no, care no, no, about, no. right? Um, yeah. And there's now becoming a theme where these people who are actually in the communities trying to change policy are really unexcited about previous administrations and the possibility of future. I think we all understand that Trump is the bottom of the barrel, but my God, here's another organization that just, they stayed even under Obama, who everybody wants to pretend was Jesus Christ himself. They were, they were still getting treated poorly. We have Trump now who can make, well, well to do people feel terrible. So they don't feel good. They don't like the way he talks. They don't like the you know things he says, but nobody's actually, you know, everybody wants to hear from the big, the big important people in the world and how, you know, Trump is so terrible. But when you hear from these people who, you know, I mean, they have 1200 Instagram followers or 2000, they're, they're a very local organization helping market workers. These are the people you all need to be listening to and talking yeah. to. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and I'll just point out once again that they are the other beneficiary of our t-shirt campaign. So yes. you know, if you haven't done it yet, Buy get t the t-shirt. Also, also go to the website. Uh, Tony talked about how good that website is. Go to the website. Um, if you want to make a donation there too, uh, do it. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're doing extremely important work. And, you know, your point about the, to what extent politics intervenes in their affairs, right? They're, they're trying to address the blowback uh, of politics, right? Like they're, right. They're, the, the social effects of politics is what they're concerned with, right? Trying to mitigate the harm done by various policies um, and the distribu distribution of power in this country, right? So they're 
they're political without being formally political, right? Um, but you know, their their work is you know it's integral. It it's it's work you wish didn't have to be done, but right now Indeed. it of course has to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that point about the consistency over administrations is. Uh, is as true as it is depressing, right? You know, it's 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 really uh, you hate to hear it, but it's all there's a lot of truth to it. So, well, if you are if you're a listener, and you think Biden wins and you get to celebrate, <clears throat> you're not paying attention, right? Because these are people who, no matter who wins, they're getting ready to shadow box. They're getting ready for the next round of bullshit. Um, and that's the problem yep. with um, both parties right now. Okay, so speaking of both parties, let's go to party favors. I think it's yes. Time. Um, let's start with the let's start with the DNC. Okay, Democrats, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, the Dems. Um, let's go right off of what we were just talking about, which is migrant workers. Like, why aren't we talking about the wall? Where's Mexico? This was a this was one of Trump's biggest promises biggest promises was me- building a wall. Mexico's paying for it. When's that happening? Eight years from now? 16 years? I- I'm not seeing it anywhere. Nobody's tripling down on that. That would be the thing I say every single time is, before we get into this, I just want to say, Mexico doesn't pay for the wall. So let's start with that promise that all you idiots paid for. Uh, X billion dollars out of your people's money. We're not paying you for COVID relief. The wall's not built. Mexico hasn't reimbursed us. Start hitting them with that. Why yeah. is that happening? No, that's absolutely right. Because that's something, even though it was like a, you know, it's their slogan, build a wall and everything. It's it's a tagline that mattered to a lot of people, you know. Yeah. Um, and then now Steve Bannon getting arrested with his... <laughs> You know, we built the wall. The whole scheme. Y'all you know, got y'all got screwed, dude. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, what? That was just such like it's not a Ponzi scheme. It was just basically a grift, right? It's just, it just like, yeah, give us money, we're gonna use this, Skip. and then and then they're just buying like cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I I agree, I agree. The that I think that's a good point. I I would say the one thing that the Dems could could maybe do. And and it's kind of like the flip side of of what I'm going to say about the GOP, what they should do and kind of are doing. But the the Dems could say, don't you see some consistency here? George W. Bush said in 2004, reelect me because you'll be safe rather than, you know, John Kerry, who's soft on terrorism and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Right. Meanwhile, it's only under George W. Bush that 9-11 happens, right? Mm-hmm. The same thing with Trump. He's trying to instill fear in people saying that, oh, under Biden, you're going to see chaos and you know, the economy is going to be terrible. Precisely what's happening under his administration, right? That this is just a consistent lie that Republicans have been selling for, for, for a long time and don't get fooled again, right? Like that, that's... that's that just just see that right i don't maybe that could get some traction um i i just on the other hand i'm also hesitant to say that because it seems like people don't care about consistency anymore (laughs) right like like being coherent and consistent does not matter that much um but doubling down on build the wall might 
right? Got that, to. Hey, hey, what about this thing you said? What about this entire yep. thing you ran on? So, yeah. That was a wishy-washy one for me, but no, but, but I I, it's 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 more actually okay. Can I go with the, the GOP just like because it's a continuation of the thought? All right, yeah, so ahead. so so basically, nobody wants flip, to do this one anyway. Yeah, so the flip it. side is the GOP again is doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is lying very well, mm-hmm. right? And and making people forget the recent past, mm-hmm. right? Again. George W. Bush, the biggest terror attack to happen in the country happens on his watch, and somehow John Kerry might be to blame for that, right? The, the, this pandemic catastrophe and the tanking of the economy and a mass popular revolt is happening, happening under Donald Trump, yet it's going to be Joe Biden's fault. I mean, and they're able to convince people that that's masterful. Masterful. Right? I mean, that is really threading quite a needle here and um, they're able to do it only by saying it they don't need any proof right they just need to say it they just need to repeat it Um, and so in that sense I think they're doing quite well Mm -hmm. by repeating um, well-placed lies yeah um I really thought COVID would be the thing that, that the nail in the coffin for Trump, and I think it might still. It all depends I really on the don't. Second I, wife. I, I, I yeah. don't think it's going to be the thing. If I'm the GOP, and I hate saying this, but no one's listening to us, I, I would start getting the message out there that um, this. this is New York's fault, Cuomo. I'd start attacking them. I mean, that was the first hot hot spot was New York. And it's always a GOP talking, no, GOP, always a Republican talking point when they want to really talk about the liberals. It's always New York. Remember Ted Cruz in New York and then Trump actually actually slammed them and said, well, you know what? I was there in 9-11. That was the end of Ted Cruz. Um, But it's not 9-11. And Trump was there for 9-11 and he gets that, even though he didn't do anything. Um, I would start taking the focus off the China virus and making this about Cuomo's hand, Cuomo and de Blasio, who are... uh, uh, on an extremely dysfunctional family Mm -hmm. um, about, I would start saying these two Democrats that can't get along. Imagine if these two were on the same page, we could have knocked this thing out. Here's where it started. These poor Southern states and Midwest. It's because of these, these rich people in New York that wanted to, it just put it on them. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. It would work. This maybe is some. Should, maybe this is this it. is some Machiavellian stuff, man. This well, is, that's how you got to. Yeah, no, you know, I that's know. the sick thing. I mean, yeah. look, if anybody that wants to get mad at us, I, we're just trying to think like they think. Yep. I, I feel dirty thinking it, but politics is gross. I mean, fuck you guys. You guys fucking turned on Bernie. So like, <laughs> screw off. If you want to like pretend it's all nice, let's let's stop it. Buttigieg was winning. Um, so I don't care. Let's just call it what it is. And if we don't want to play play nice one day, we could talk about facts and reality and history. And that's how we decide our candidates and based off record. And I would love that day to come. Um, unfortunately, clearly, right. <laughs> record means nothing on right, either right, side. I right. mean, if record meant anything, none of those idiots standing on that stage, with the exception of one person, would have been uh, our nominee. So I'm going to keep playing this game because it's fun. And I actually think I'm right. Yeah. As yeah. sick as that is. Yeah. That's what yeah. I would do. Blaming New York. Blame New York. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Everybody hates New York hey. except for people that love New York. That, this is the thing that Trump is very good at and the GOP in general, but Trump is particularly good at, which is just throwing mud everywhere and just seeing where it sticks. And, yeah. and it often sticks in different spots and then he yeah. just hammers, you know. But you know, so. all people, all people that 
you know, there's these there there are these people all over the country that are like socialism, blah blah blah. These are typically people that have never left their town, let alone visited a country that has socialism. I mean, most of these people have never left their town. Um, those people hate New York. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so just just put a little more wood on that fire that's already burning. You know? Yeah. We all yeah. hate New York. All those rich liberals from New York. Like, okay. Yeah. Why not? All right. All right. Well, that was sad, but go. Yeah. Go go yeah. on the go on the um go on the website. I mean, I really think what the um, migrant justice people are doing are is something we all need to be paying attention to. I mean, these are people that we don't really think about when we're when we're voting. We're really thinking about ourselves and how we feel. Um, and unfortunately, no matter how bad you think you have it, there's people out there that are, you know could any day have their families ripped from them and put in right. a fucking cage. And that's right. real. Right. Um, so stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop worrying about Trump. And w- this will be our new thing. Donate the bar tab that you're not allowed to have at the bar to migrant justice. Buy a t-shirt. It's 30 bucks. We don't make a dollar. Um, we're trying to make it easy for you to, to be a good person. So let us help you. Yeah. Do it. No Politics at the Dinner Table is produced by Amit Prakash. Um, we are, man, we are back to back for the next month. We got congressmen coming on. We've got wonderful um, guests. So so keep keep paying attention. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, um, you know. And the web, and the web page people. is coming along. It's going to get, it's going to get bigger we'll get and better. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we will uh, see you next week. See you next week.